0: Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that
1: specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio.
0: And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray. And folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're looking for a bank, you know, we're recording this show on Monday morning. And if you're looking for a bank that's not going to uh, disappoint you and infuriate you on Monday morning when you pick up the papers and see what banks have failed over the weekend, (laughs) well, Renaissance Bank's one of those banks. They're not going to disappoint you because they've got a rock solid balance sheet. And here's the thing. They're big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to do it in a personal way, and I know that from my own dealings with them, uh, with me and the clients that I work with. So if you're looking for that combination in in a bank, it's hard to find, but you can find it at Renaissance. So go to renaissancebank.com to learn more. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome John Hypes. John is with Hypes and Bell Isle, an old friend. John, welcome.
1: Well, great to be back, John. Thank yeah. you.
0: Great to have you back. And we're uh, we we're uh, what prompted this, besides the fact you hadn't been on in a while, we needed to have you back as you celebrated a great anniversary here recently.
1: Yes, our uh, our firm turned ten years this year. Where David and I went into practice back February one two thousand thirteen. Yep. And, uh, boy, time flies. It just seems like that was just a couple of years ago. And we looked at the calendar and a decade had gone by. Congratulations on that. Thank
0: you so much. But for those that don't know about, uh, Hypes and Belle Isle and your firm, how are you serving folks out there?
1: Well, uh, we, we do, uh, commercial litigation myself and, uh, my law partner, Lane Kamsler, who does employment law and David does real estate, both commercial and, uh, residential and uh, we try to stick to what we do and do it well. Mm-hmm. And we're a resource for a lot of people for things that uh, uh, aren't within our practice area. And uh, we've got a lot of years of experience behind us and uh, a lot of good successes.
0: You've got big firm, big law experience in your background. What, what led you to start your own firm?
1: Um, primarily family. Yeah, right. Um, I was, I was working at, uh, Smith Gambrell and Russell out of law school, then Morris Manning at the financial center and mm-hmm. driving into Buckhead. But my, uh, was living up here in Alpharetta. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my kids were going to go to Barnwell and it got to the point where I wanted to help coach my kids and see my kids uh, play ball mm-hmm. and, uh, be closer to home. And the opportunity came along to start my own practice and set my own agenda and, uh, uh, it, it swallowed hard and took the leap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't looked back.
1: Oh no. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. I, uh, I, I like having my clients as a boss, but having other lawyers as a boss probably didn't work. Really often, <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> you know, what? When you think about it that way, I'm surprised more people don't start their own law firm, right? To get out of big law.
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of people to please when you work in a big law firm. I'll just put it at that. One. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But that experience is worth worth a lot. I know. Oh, it was invaluable. I worked for some great attorneys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, David uh, Handley at uh, Smith Gambrell and Russell is is a phenomenal attorney now retired worked with joe manning at morris manning and martin mm. and that type of training and apprenticeship and eye for detail and uh it's it, it was irreplaceable experience and yeah. so um you know god's been good to me you know he, he he put me in the right place at the right time and gave me the courage to take that next step and uh, uh it's all turned out well
0: yeah that's wonderful so you're a uh, more most actively involved in business litigation. Correct. Talk about, um, I guess the, the trajectory of that work and, and, um, how, how that work
1: differs today than maybe when you started Hypes and Bell Isle. Well, from 10 years ago in 2013, um, Law practice uh, was pretty much the same up until COVID. And, and in my particular law practice, I would describe it as um, a smaller number of high high dollar cases, as opposed to a high number of small dollar cases. Mm-hmm. So we we tend to litigate by the banker box rather than by the page. Mm-hmm. I've got one, do- I got one case right now where the other side sent me 37,000 documents. And so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you ca- you got to find out what's in those. Mm-hmm. Um and so in that respect that that's a little bit of a change the the ability to scan and uh, drop box or you know uh, dedicated uh, uh email link uh documents to the other side is is a big change uh word searching documents uh, the universe of information is far 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 more vast than it used to be mm-hmm. uh you know you'd go on a document production 20 years ago you'd sit there with a paper you know, pen and pad and start uh you know going through and put post-it notes on pieces of paper now it's all digital as as it is for everyone else Mm -hmm. and uh the the practice changed as did a lot of industries when we got to covid where uh, we used to go to court and the court dockets were were fairly predictable but then when covid hit uh there was there was no court happening at all Mm. And uh, then we went to Zoom hearings and uh, handling things by Zoom. But even civil trials, for the most part, were not happening for uh, quite a period of time. And once the courts started to open up some, then they had to deal with the backlog of criminal trials taking precedent over civil trials. And um, it feels like the backlog has just about worked itself through. But uh judges and lawyers got used to doing uh hearings that didn't require a presentation of evidence by zoom, and that that seems like that might be here to stay, and that's actually good for the client because we're mm-hmm. not spending travel time and sitting in a courtroom waiting for your case to be tried um, so uh that 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 part's a positive. But there's also no substitute for being in the courtroom and being on and the adrenaline and mm-hmm. and being able to see everything that's happening, including uh, opposing counsel and the attorney or assuming the judge so uh while I prefer to be in court, I think zoom uh, can be a positive thing,
0: yeah, depending on the the nature of the hearing i guess uh
1: yep. nature of the hearing but you know even a a uh, just an oral argument hearing i I would prefer to be in court, but I think I see the benefits for the client and for the court system to do to do it by Zoom. Right. Uh, they they still make us wear a coat and tie when we're on Zoom. You can you could do be they? In,
0: yeah, Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. They don't yeah. You can be in gym shorts, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> just like the judge. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I love it. Uh, I love it. Um so you you um uh we were talking about before we came on the air there, there had to be just like people in business are glad to get be some of some are glad to be back to the office. A lot of people are glad to be back to the office just be glad, glad to be back in their chamber networking or whatever they, they missed right. Mm-hmm. That for you getting back in the courtroom had to be a, a, something you were really pleased to be there, right? Oh, very much. Very,
1: very much. I remembered my first time back in the courtroom after COVID and, um, it, it just felt, it just felt good. It felt right. Um, you
0: know,
1: the outcome is a better quality outcome I think for the, for the client. And, um, again, it, it's, it's expensive. You know, you're driving to whichever courthouse in the Metro area and you're sitting there through a docket. Uh, but, um, Uh, you know, you do want to get the right result. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: Talk about the, I I want to get to some of your success stories here in a a second, John, but uh, talk about what a business owner needs to think about when they're thinking about litigation, uh, either on the, the plaintiff side or the defense side. And, how they can be an effective client for you as their advocate.
1: Um, I'm going to have to think about that last question. But what the client needs to think about and the the discussion that needs to be had up front is time and expense. Um, The court system does not move at the same pace anything else in the world moves. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, we, We have to meet deadlines and then the court and the judge will rule on things when they rule on it. And I think there's an expectation among most clients who aren't familiar with the court system that things should happen much more quickly than what they do. So if you, if you get a case in and resolved in a year to a year and a half, and I'm talking about through trial, Mm -hmm. you've moved pretty quickly. Mm. Um, obviously you can resolve the case earlier through uh through motions or you know mediation arbitration settlement etc but if you're going to go through the court system uh hour hour and a half be pretty quick and then if you're paying your attorney by the hour with time comes expense and people just do not realize how expensive it can be even if you have more modest suburban rates than some of the rates that are you know by these bigger firms inside the perimeter, sure, um, I mean the rate of inflation has uh, hit the legal profession like everything else, and uh, a lot of, a lot of attorneys are charging five hundred dollars an hour or more and and that's that 's not expensive inside the perimeter anymore mm-hmm. uh, uh, i 've never looked to charge top dollar, I just want to make sure that we can you know take care of our 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 law firm and uh, our people who work for us, et cetera but uh, it 's expensive it 's time consuming and so my conversation with my clients, especially who are on a hourly fee basis is, you know, l- let's look what we're going to net out of this thing. Mm-hmm. And after you pay for your fees to me, never bet that you're ever going to get your attorney's fees awarded to you that just consider that icing on the cake. And, uh, you know, let's just make sure that the, 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 net proposition here after all is said and done is, is money in your pocket. And
0: uh, yeah. And the other, Thing that maybe a lot of clients. This is a question, but it sounds like a statement. But the the other thing I would think a lot of clients don't maybe take into consideration is just the effect of litigation on the business itself, right? I mean that it really it's time consuming, and time is money, um, and and attention span, right? And and uh, what that does to your head when you're trying to think about how to continue to
1: build the business, right? It it can be very distracting, then. and it's very individualized. Mm-hmm. So some, uh, uh, business owners are better able to compartmentalize and separate it and just, you know, make a phone call and say, you know, where are we on this, et cetera. They still have to go through all the necessary motions, respond to document requests, uh, you know, uh, have meetings with their attorney depositions if necessary, but some are better at compartmentalizing that and, and others lose sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I have clients who lose sleep Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that's another factor that goes into just discussions between client and lawyer about, you know, let's make sure that we're, we're working toward a goal that's positive for you and your business. We're talking about all these things very logically right now,
0: (laughs) but, but someone that's in the throes of it, right. They're not thinking, uh, they're thinking with, uh, and this is not a bad thing, this is a human thing, right? You're thinking it real emotionally about that it's a highly charged situation, whether you're the plaintiff or you've been served, you're the uh, defendant, right? And um, how do you um, talk a client past those emotions to um, getting to logical decisions about their case?
1: Well, it's a, it's a little bit of a fine line. Uh, On the one hand, um, you you know, you want to make sure the client understands that you empathize with them and you do empathize with them and that you, you, uh, you know, feel their, feel their pain and their frustration on, on the other hand, you know, uh, you, you want to, you know, approach it from a business point of view. And so when the other side of a case, uh, does something, uh, in the case, maybe, uh, Uh, It's name calling or it's uh, uh, serving a particular emotion or something. You know, part of my discussion with a client may be, look, they're just doing what they're trying to do to win their case. Don't take it personally. So I've got to talk my clients into understanding that don't take it personally. This Mm -hmm. is they're trying to win their case. We'll do what's best for us to win your case. Mm Mm-hmm. And if we have to go a little bit on the bombastic side because we think that would be most effective, then we'll do that. That's not really my style whatsoever but if if that's a uh, an arrow in the quiver we got to pull out then we'll we'll do that but for the most part, you know we just uh you know try our case and and I try to get the client to understand that don't take it personally. The other thing I do is um, a, a core part of my law practice is uh, I want you know, if you're my client, John, you know, I want to give you information so you can make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. So I want to give you as much information as I can about your case and where we are in your case so that whatever decision you make uh, that's in front of us or how far you want to proceed with this or where you want to go in terms of settlement, et cetera, um, that you can make an informed decision. And, you know, lots of times I'm asked for advice. What would, you know, what would I do? And sometimes I answer that question and sometimes I don't. Got uh, it.
0: Okay. okay. Because it's not my case. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, everybody's got to make their own decision. Let's get back to that question I asked earlier about what makes an effective client, though, for you, as as in terms of being able to help you do your job most effectively for them.
1: Uh number one, be organized. Uh, my, my favorite clients, uh, come in and they are organized Mm -hmm. and I will compliment them effusively when they come in and they have a notebook, it's all tabbed and it's all Mm -hmm. prepared. Uh, another one, uh, good quality is they don't try to try their own case. Uh, I've had lots of discussions with, uh, to the effect of you're, you're paying me this money, but why do you want to pay me if you're going to make all the decisions in yeah. your own case? You know, let me be, let me do my job. Right. Uh, so, um, I, let's see, what else would there be about a, a good, you know, obviously good, good communication is a uh, key for a, uh, an effective client and, um, uh, and responsiveness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there there are some deadlines that have to be met, and uh, you know I've had situations, you know, some this year uh, where I, I really need the client to sign off on something, and they're they're waiting till deadline day, right? And I literally have sent like four emails saying following up on my email from yesterday, following up my my two emails from the two days yeah yeah, yeah. sign right. sign this document for me please yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. well it, and i think it's good for people to know this ahead of time these things ahead of time right before they even make the call to you right that hey these these are kind of things i need to have these are kind of table stakes for me presenting my best
1: possible case for you and then there's a the situation because everyone's different where you know folks who, who have who have been through litigation before, they're not naive to the process. They've been through it either with me or with another law firm. But it's really the people who've never been through it. You've got to sort of guide them what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. And so.
0: Yeah, got it. Um, Legal successes. I I want to give you a chance to talk about some of the uh, outcomes that you're particularly proud of? We're not going to mention names, of course, but oh, no. but, but uh, just uh, situations that you're particularly proud of that illustrate the great work you did.
1: Well, um, first of all, I, I would break our litigation practice down into my practice areas are insurance, construction, uh, ownership disputes. We call them business divorces. And then uh, my other litigation partner, uh, Lane Kamsler, who is outstanding, is uh, an employment law attorney. Mm. And um, in in the last few years, we had an insurance coverage case. Uh, total accidental loss. Was a, house was, a fabulous house was hit by lightning, caught on fire. And the insurance company wrote an estimate for, I think it was 121,000 and uh, my client's estimate was uh, 480,000 mm. then they then they went out and got their uh, own uh, estimate or excuse me contractor and he wrote an estimate for uh, 191,000 mm-hmm. and so we hired a contractor who wrote an estimate for 520,000 they accused the insurance company accused my client of having written fraudulent estimates and this is an amazing house, by the way, mm-hmm. and um, and there was damage throughout. There were entire rooms that were missed by the insurance company as we proved at trial uh, through presentation of photographs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, long story short, we, we recovered all the money from the jury, federal court trial, uh, that we had asked for, uh, plus additional expenses, plus attorney's fees. And so this wow. claim that should have been settled at the outset just – you know, for 480,000 cost the insurance company, 977,000 to make my client whole. And, uh, now the reason I I talk about that one is, uh, for those who keep score, uh, within the legal profession, I had no idea this, but I received an email that, uh, the, the year of that verdict a few years ago was, uh, which kind of surprised me. It was the 16th highest jury verdict in the state of Georgia. Nine hundred. I would have thought there would be like, Way more than that, but yeah. I'll, I'll, hey, I'll take their word for it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the other th- the other part of that is, and and I'll never forget this uh, rest of my life. Uh, my client, uh, his, and I don't know whoever's going to listen to this. I won't name any names, but his uh, his wife was going through stage four cancer, mm. and the insurance company knew that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a great! I mean, he 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 is a, a man's man, mm-hmm. uh, and a stand-up family guy, stand-up mm-hmm. husband. Uh, as good of a client and, and witness I could ever ever draw up from my imagination, mm-hmm. and they still wanted to go to trial. And she went into hospice the week of the trial, and I uh, before the trial, and I said, "Let's let's continue this, and you take care of business." And she said, and he said, "No." She wants to know the outcome mm. and so we went to trial and this guy a uh, big guy when when the verdict read, tears were rolling down his face mm. and um you know he he had been wronged by this insurance company, and he was vindicated by a jury mm-hmm. and um you know that moment there's no money that 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 can you know, replace that moment. Right. I mean, that moment was, was amazing. I mean, wow. in terms of, you know, what I do for a living. Sure. Um, wow. And, and he and I, we still, we still stay in touch and she passed away like, you know, a few days after the trial. Mm. Um, so, um, and then I do some construction work and, uh, I've got a client who is a, a very high end builder and, um, uh, there was a, uh, uh dispute between he and a house that was built. And so we, we did an arbitration in the house and, uh, uh, we, we, we went around and looked at everything that was claimed and, and everything that was claimed, you know, the arbitrator agreed there's, there's nothing wrong with this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so once again, this, uh, in this case, the other party, uh, filed for arbitration and picked a fight, so to speak. And, uh, uh, we, we went through the process and, Brought in the documents and 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 uh, uh, went through the house with the arbitrator, et cetera. And and again, uh, the builder was vindicated. And uh, yeah. not only did he not have to pay any money, he he recovered all of his legal fees in that case. Mm. I'm not sure he's one of client that's going to give him a stellar uh, <laughs> <laughs> review. Right. But uh, it's 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 an incredibly gorgeous house, and mm-hmm. it, you know it's it was a head scratcher. Uh, but mm. these things happen. So, yeah. Yeah, and they do. So um and then the last one. Uh, uh this is a business divorce case where it's a sort of a quasi it's a physician assistant practice and uh three of them had a, a medical practice together and uh, one of them was uh, ousted. They they kicked him out. Changed the locks in the doors, locked them out of the bank account, changed, uh, changed the computer system so he couldn't access the patients. It was a typical uh, freeze out, as we call it, mm-hmm. in, in these kind of cases. And, um, you know, so we, we filed suit. Uh, this person uh, owned a substantial percentage of the company. And uh, this is one where I got back into court for the first time. Oh, really? After the pandemic? Yeah. Okay. And they were not, you know, we requested documents on all the financials of this company. And I kid you not, they sent me 39 pages, 39 on a company. Wow. And no, you know, no (laughs) tax returns, no ledgers, no nothing. So I file a a motion to compel and and, uh, then they they produced, I, I think it was another 90 some documents. And so I got like roughly 120 some documents and So then I get a motion, uh, I file a motion for sanctions and this is where we went back to court. And by that time I had taken their depositions and they just openly admitted at their depositions that, you know, that we're not, we're not entitled to those documents and we're not going to look for those documents. And let me tell you what, Mm. we were in court. The judge was not amused. (laughs) The judge was not amused. And the judge entered an order saying, you're going to produce these documents or you're going to go to jail. Mm. And, um, then they produced, you know, I forget how many. I don't. I don't want to misrepresent it in case anybody figures out who this case is. But it was it was several thousand pages of, of documents, and wow. we finally got to the bottom line
0: mm-hmm.
1: of uh, what my client's damages were. But in the interim, the uh, the judge said, since you uh, are willfully disobeying my discovery order, I'm striking your answer and entering default judgment for for wow. my client. Wow. So, so now it's just a question of damages. So. Wow.
0: Um it it helps to do what the judge says. Well let's just put it like that, right? <laughs> Folks, do what the judge tells do you to do. Do what
1: the judge says. I mean you you can try to blow off another lawyer, but uh yeah, I would not be so quick to do that with the judge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, who holds all the cards. Yep, so. yep, for sure. Wow.
0: Um uh such great work, John. Uh congratulations on well,
1: that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I just, you know, in, in fairness, you know, it, it's great when lawyers talk about all their success stories. Uh, I I think I'm no different than any other attorney. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had cases that haven't turned out the way I've, I've hoped they have. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to admit too much here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Keep it on a positive vibe. But you I don't know? I would never want to leave anybody with the impression that, you know a law a lawyer a law firm wins every case because that's just not that's just not reality or either that or you're not trying enough cases let's put it that way (laughs)
0: that's right you're not yeah well and that's good for people to hear right because um you know your case may you think it may be as solid as uh uh concrete right but but hey every case has holes and you know you, you you've you've really got to go into it knowing that right? and knowing that a judge can do and, or and or a jury can do anything
1: right you you can have a great case and a bad jury or a mm-hmm. terrible case and a great jury and you yeah. know that there's that aspect of it as well
0: yeah yeah uh great words here from john hypes he is uh founder uh owner attorney at hypes in bell isle here in alpharetta so um you went off the rails in 2018. Decided to become <laughs> Alpharetta City Council, but I'm kidding you, of course. Um, um, you you made a civic decision to give back to the community. Um, not that that was your first decision to do that, because you've given back to the community in a lot of ways. But but why why serve on the council, city
1: council? Well, this may not speak well of my law practice, but I waited until I was 59 years old to take on a night job, so uh, <laughs> uh, or a second a, a second job. <laughs> And I, and I do refer to it as, uh, I got my day job and my night job, although right. my night job is a, also a day job. Yeah. But, um, and it can go well into the night sometimes. Oh, too, right yes. Now. It, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Monday nights can go late. That's right. <laughs> uh, yes, they can. so, uh, um, it is a, it is a, just a total labor of love, um, you know, I was inspired by a lot of people around me to do what I did to, to throw my hat in the ring, mm-hmm. uh, to, for elected office, uh, prior to that, um, I think my, my first involvement in Alpharetta was through the Alpharetta Rotary Club and, uh, held various positions there and, and, and had the great privilege to be president of the Alpharetta Rotary Club back in 2008 mm. and, uh, that really helped me learn about a lot about the community and the people in the club. Uh, it's, it's such a great cross section of Alpharetta. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now I'm gonna go off on a little bit of tangent with that, but I, I tell people all the time, I, I have three families. I've, I've got my church family at Alpharetta first Methodist. I've got my rotary family and the ones who can't get rid of me cause we got the same blood. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, but, uh, you know, Rotary was real instrumental, and then along the way, and with some of the people that I knew through Rotary and, and otherwise, I, I just ended up with some various board involvements, including the YMCA, uh, North Fulton Charities, uh, Alfreda Public Safety Foundation, the, the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Um, and so I was seeing different issues come up at board meetings that sort of intersected in different ways. And one of them was that North Fulton charities on the board, I'd see housing issues, uh, uh, approached in one way. And then I would see workforce housing approached at, uh, the, the greater North Fulton chamber of commerce and also education issues. And they saw it from a different perspective, but it was all a need that needed to be addressed. Mm-hmm. um, Another big part of it was uh, in. I saw what was happening in downtown Alpharetta, and all my life I'd lived in the house with the you know with the yard and the, you know five windows on a door that type of thing and mm-hmm. uh, and um, I I just got sort of enamored about moving into a townhome. My kids were out of college uh, and moving into downtown Alpharetta. We saw downtown uh, under construction. And, uh, Avalon was just getting ready to open up and we moved downtown in 2014, right smack dab between the two. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, um, you know, I've always been connected to Alpharetta. I've either lived or worked here since 1989, but moving downtown was a total lifestyle change. Uh, it was, it was not a move. We, we changed how we lived Mm -hmm. and, um, i I just have become, and, and really am just really connected to this, this community. And, um, you know, had an opportunity in 2017, uh, to serve on planning commission. And, uh, you know, the, the next thing that happened was two seats vacated, uh, on the, uh, Uh, city council and i thought you know if i'm ever going to do this now's a good time to do it Mm. and i really wanted to do it because i I saw some things that were really important to me that i thought were important to the residents of alpharetta um you know not not having crazy growth but quality growth and um you know our 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 parks and our alpha loop uh uh, which were uh, uh in process and um so um yeah i I went for it and, yeah. uh, gosh, darn it. Got elected.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what are the things that, I mean, you, when you go into anything new like that, you have your own expectations. Um, what are, what are some of the surprising, surprisingly good? I'm, I, I want to be positive about this. The positive surprises that you've had out of your uh time on council. Number
1: one positive surprise is, uh, just how incredibly supportive this community is. Mm. I would ten times out of ten rather be a city councilman than be on a board of an HOA. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a lot of people on boards of HOAs could understand that. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. But
1: I've had board people HOA board members say, you know, how do you how do you manage what's going on? I'm like, I don't live in your world. My my world's not that bad. Yeah. Um and so i think the number one surprise is how incredibly supportive the city is of uh uh, of the the elected officials and and what the city staff is doing Mm -hmm. that is not to say that people uh, don't have differing opinions about different things but taking the city as a whole it's it's very supportive very unified it is in a now, now you can get me fired up here, John. I mean, this is an incredibly unique place that we live. Mm-hmm. That is incredibly unique. Yeah, um, I, I would say the number one defining factor about Alpharetta is people have immense pride about living in Alpharetta.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't find that in other communities. You yeah. find you find folks who are divisive about the direction. Or what's happening in their city, or at best they're neutral and tepid. Mm-hmm. I go around this town and people are effusive about waking up and saying, "I live here or I work here right. And I don't know if I'm overstating that or not, but uh, you know my my favorite folks are when we're when I'm down on the town green, I'm downtown frequently because it's halfway between home and the office, and you see the the what I call the tour guides. The tour guides are the people who are pointing at this building and that building and this mm-hmm. and that, and they've got a, uh, you know, three or four people with them. Right. And, um, you know, you know, city center opened in 2018. That was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And people are still given tours. If you hear what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, um, the camaraderie amongst people, um, you know what, you know, it, no building ever made a city. Great. People make the city great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if, if the buildings and the environment that we create uh, you know, help the people come together to find that community, then so be it. But um, this, this is an amazing city. Um, you know, you, you just can't end up on everybody's list of top 25 city or number one city in, in Georgia by, you know, if it happens once or twice, you're like, Oh, good for us. But when it happens like, All year long, on every list, you're—it's—it's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible.
0: Now, you—one of the things I'm curious about—you've got this, particularly in the in the environment we live in, where there's a lot of money that that a lot of stills on the sidelines that wants to get put to work in places like Alpharetta, but you want to keep the growth, as you said, you want to keep quality growth. And so those two things can kind of come at a conflict sometimes, right? And how, how do you sort that out? Just, we're not talking about anything specifically here or any specific project or anything like that, but just, just that general, those two competing, the sometimes competing interest, right? How do you, how do you balance that out as, as a member of council?
1: Well, on, well, on council, we, we, we do three things, uh, we we do budget, which is a reflection of our priorities. We do land use planning, and we do other. So this is would be a like under land use planning mm-hmm. and voting on variances and zonings and applications, etc. <clears throat> and for me, you know, the, there's not a lot of raw acreage left in our twenty-seven square miles, and um, so a lot of what we're doing is redevelopment. Uh, the Maxwell is a great example of redevelopment. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be the old green bean yeah uh antique store Mm -hmm. the hamilton hotel is redevelopment yeah um and when something comes along at this point since the city is sort of filled up and there's not a lot of raw land to build another avalon so to speak um i I think it's very important that it's that it is a really high quality project Mm -hmm. um you know put your best best foot forward um you know i voted against uh the north point Project because I I did I thought it was lacking in, in a lot of areas I thought the quality of that project could be uh, better and mm-hmm. will be better mm-hmm. uh, and I think the long you know the project when completed the long term prospects for Alpharetta will be better and I can think of other examples where that's the case as well I think I'd probably have voted against more uh, projects and most people on council. Uh, not to say that we don't approve most that come forward, but the ones that have been voted against, I've, I've been a naysayer. Mm. Uh, when somebody comes along and says, well, here's a mixed-use application, but it's really not mixed-use. We just want to build residential and call it mixed-use. Uh, yeah. And we have a formula for success, all credit to uh, Kathy Cook and her community development department, on really setting the standard on successful mixed-use. yeah. And shout out to Kathy Cook. Absolutely, yeah, they do a great job. Um, So here's an interesting one Um, up there at Windward and um, uh, Westside Parkway, Mm -hmm. where HP is. Yeah, Continuum. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm looking at one application at the same time. I'm looking at Continuum, and one application is telling me that you know we can't build office. And therefore we we really can't do mixed use, but we want mixed use. Continuums like if you build mixed use, office will be successful. And they're building office. Mm. And they inspired a lot of confidence and um you know it got approved. Mm-hmm. And you know, what you're finding, I think, is uh now I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but still talking about how I process some of these applications. Uh the the ubiquitous suburban office market is, is hurting right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where you drive to a big uh, parking lot Island, you go in, you come to your car, you drive to lunch. Yeah. But you know, v- uh, occupancy for lease uh, office space downtown is full because people want to walk out of their office and, you know, go to a restaurant or whatever's sure. right there. Mm-hmm. You know, Avalon's been very successful continuum. You know, they're, they want to put their money, you know, uh, where where their mouth is, so to speak, and say, you know, if we build this mixed use project, it will be successful. So, um, I, you know, I, I I look at what they're bringing to the table, what they're promising to deliver, and then I look at it as a one, five, ten, and, and twenty five year proposition. Where where will what will this look like in my mind over that period of time? Mm-hmm. And everything's shiny and new in year one. <laughs> of course, uh, for all things, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if that answered your question or not. But. No, that's
0: that's that's helpful because um, I I think uh, well, it it, it kind of goes back to uh, maybe an analogy is litigation. I mean, you know, everybody sees one side or the other, but they're competing interests that sometimes have to come in. T- you know, they have to meet in the middle sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe that's a bad analogy, but um, but you, you've you're you're another way to say it is you're, you're making as a council member placing a vote you're you're making a fifty sixty seventy year decision right mm, correct and and which is a, really puts puts the onus on you to come up with
1: the right answer right best answer you can the with best the, answer you with, can with the information yeah. that's available absolutely yeah, better said. Um You know, it's all public record. And so I'm not speaking out of school uh, because I asked some hard questions during the North Point uh, discussions. But, uh, you know, to build 900 apartments there, and if there's not a, you know, uh, some sort of mechanism guarantee for the remainder of the mixed use, you know, 20 years from now, you could have a mall with 900 apartments. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly a mall with uh, 600 apartments, and then they wouldn't build phase three. Now, you know, I I can take them at their word that they intend to do that, which is the word I think I remember hearing. And uh, but if if they don't, that's what you're left with. And then that's the decision I've made for the city. If I vote for something like that, is that I voted for an apartment complex outside of a mall. Yeah. And that's not what I want. Right. That's not what I want for Alpharetta. Mm-hmm. What I want for Alpharetta is something that's got some synergy to it that will uh, uh, all parts make each other part successful. Yeah.
0: So let's let's talk about what you see ahead as we kind of wind down here. What do you see ahead for Alpharetta? Some of the big issues that um you think you'll be confronting as
1: council over the next few years. Um well, we we touched on North Point, so I won't belabor that one anymore. Um, I, I think there's some exciting possibilities about what may happen at North Point, but it's all speculation at this point. Mm-hmm. Um We just finished our budget process last Monday and it was one of the best, I think it was the best budget season I've been through in my five years on council. It was very transparent. It was very collaborative. Uh, I as a council member appreciated very much how we went about it. Um, I think our city administrator, uh, uh, Chris Lagerbloom doing a fantastic job. And, you know, it, it's a, uh, budget that reflects our priorities mm. that's what the budget does if you want to judge us as council members and as mayor look at what our priorities are where we put the money and this budget is is uh, heavy on public safety and uh, I can speak for myself and that is you know we, we don't want to let the genie out of the, the toothpaste out of the tube because you can't get it back in yeah we we have a safe Place where we live, where we raise our families, where our kids go to school, etc., and we want to keep it that way. And we want to give public safety uh, the means to uh, continue to, uh, you know, keep us safe. And that's fire, nine one one, police, etc. And um, you know, I, I was, I, I've been proud of what council has done uh, over the last several years to uh, enable us to be uh, you know, right on the cutting edge of of, uh, providing for safety. Uh, the other thing that we did in this budget, um, is for stormwater maintenance, we had uh, four, $4 million. I think we had $4 million last year. So our infrastructure underneath the roads and in the corrugated metal pipes, they're starting like anything else to deteriorate over time. And so they have to be maintained and it's, a, and it's an expensive proposition. Uh, just, uh, last week I went back and looked at the, uh, 2010 budget, which is the oldest one I have on my city iPad. You want to, you want to guess what we spent on stormwater maintenance in 2010? If you don't, that's fine. But
0: yeah, yeah. It, it, it probably wasn't a
1: lot, right? 175,000. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we're we're going to do 4 million. Wow. Because we're going to take care of our residents yeah. on something that's essential, uh, infrastructure. Uh, this budget that we just passed has three point seven million dollars for uh, milling and resurfacing paving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Want to guess what it was in two thousand and ten? Was it
0: six figures?
1: It was nine hundred thousand. Okay, um, <clears throat> so it's more than four times yeah. what it was back in back then. Now. I know that we've got at least 70, probably more lane miles of roadway to repave. And of course, public works on both stormwater and paving goes through and scores the roads and the pipes of, and prioritizes what needs to be addressed. But, you know, every year you don't take care of something is that much more. You have to take care of the following year. Yes. And, um, I the think it, maintenance, right? Yes. And, and the city has gotten far bigger—not not the twenty-seven square miles. We we've got an Avalon, we've got a city center, we've got you know a, a Davis Drive, a West Side Parkway extension over the years. Uh, it's it's just a bigger, denser, uh, more populated city, and um, you know I think the mayor. Uh, gets a lot of credit for this because, you know, he's, he has said, you know, this, this is important. We can't let, we can't fall behind on this. And council's very uh, united in uh, making that a priority. We went you know, we go to our retreat in January and this retreat was uh, good in the sense that we all had a chance to get our respective priorities out there. And then the mayor and, and Chris Lagerbloom and others, then they did a really good job of taking what was important to us as a council, what was important to the directors of the staff and, and putting together a budget that sort of reflects that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and we've done that uh, and allocated those dollars, you know, all without, you know, we haven't raised the millage rate since 2009. It's been 5.75 since 2009. And since 2009, we've passed at least three homestead exemptions. Mm. So that put, you know, leaves more money in the pocket of the, uh, homeowner residents sure. so um it it's it's been a it's been a a good budget season, which is a big thing again that's our priorities mm-hmm. and uh and then there's some other good things in the budget for parks and uh um, one of the things I'm also excited about and I don't know when we run out of time but i I'll, I'll sit here and talk to you all afternoon so <laughs> um, i I love where we're going with our uh recreation parks and cultural events um you know, we we did the parks bond in 2016 to acquire the parks bond passed <clears throat> a year year or two ago in in order to uh, activate the parks that we had purchased. Uh, one of the things I'm most proud of because I basically ran on this is um, you know connecting the Alpha Loop to the Greenway, and when when we appropriated through the bond and the t splos to 15 million dollars to extend it. From Old Milton Parkway down to Northwind's behind uh, 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 Village Tavern, mm-hmm. um, it's just going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is, it is an enhancement and uh, an amenity for this city that uh, other cities just don't have. And we're we're making great progress to connect it to the to the uh, Greenway. And then uh, another thing is, um, you know, Music Alpharetta. You know, we got the amphitheater, which I think is the gem of the metro area for concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only that, we're, we're having concerts on the town green. We're having a Home by Dark at Brookside Park. Home by Dark has made a new home over at Union Hill underneath the pavilion. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of these days, the pavilion at Union Hill Park is going to be a preeminent music venue. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that yet, and they may be hearing it for the first time on this broadcast. But yeah. it's going to be—it's going to be, be a, a, a go-to music venue mm. uh, over the pavilion over there, and in um, all of these things with our parks, with you know, be at the loop or the music events, uh, uh, the, the music match program. Um, you know, it, it's bringing people together. Yeah, um, I got so excited about the performing arts, I went and joined the uh, Alfreda Symphony Board. I'm the only non-musician on the board. <laughs> You're a fan. I am a fan. I am a huge fan. They are very good. And let me tell you, we had uh, the Rotary Club had the Memorial Day ceremony out there uh, on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And we we had a really nice turnout. And then that evening, uh, for the second year in a row, the Alfreda Symphony played a free outdoor concert at Brook Street Park underneath the pavilion there. And there there was no room on the lawn at all the place was packed and people were sitting off to the side Mm -hmm. uh you know we have got a a a great symphony orchestra right here in alpharetta and um you know part of what i'm passionate about going forward for another four years is is to build on uh, uh that aspect that's sort of missing in alpharetta which is performing arts
0: yeah wow um I wish we could get you to be enthusiastic about what's going on in Alpharetta, John. <laughs> I love it. I love your, I love your, uh, vigor and enthusiasm for what you're doing.
1: Uh, I, I love this place. Again, you know, I, I think I said it off air to you and you know, we, yeah. you know, sometimes Karen and I wake up in the morning, we look out and it's kind of like, you know, our, you know, we're waking up on vacation, but this is actually where we live. Yeah. It's, it's just an amazing community. community. Yeah.
0: That's, uh, that's wonderful. John Hypes, Hypes in Belle Isle and also a uh, uh, councilman for the city of Alpharetta. Uh, John, thank you so much for coming on. This has been uh, a delightful conversation and, and, uh, uh, congratulations again on your 10 year anniversary as a firm.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Um, but before we let you go, let's give folks directions. If they'd like to connect with you,
1: uh, how they, how can they do that? Uh, if they want to, from the law firm side, it's, uh, we're at HBI law Uh, we're located at, uh, the intersection of highway nine and old Milton Parkway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the uh, same building where you see the Alpharetta welcome center fountain out front and yep. up above says Hypes and Bell Island, One Seventy Eight South main street, just a few blocks from the Renaissance bank where That's, we bank here as well.
0: They, yeah, they are. there you go. And,
1: um, the, uh, uh, I can also be reached uh, through the city uh, if somebody had a city item, and that's uh, jhypes at alpharetta.ga.us.
0: Got it. John Hypes, folks. Uh, John, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Hey, uh, folks, just a quick reminder here as we wrap up here. If you've got some dysfunction in your small business that you need to take care of. And we're talking about administrative tasks or bookkeeping or some other type work that is dragging you down. You're not spending enough time on the front office part of the business, as opposed to that back office, uh, give the folks at office angels a call. Uh, the number is six, seven, eight, five, two, eight, zero, five, zero, zero. Uh, they have a whole team of angels who, uh, have various, expertise in various uh things like administrative tasks or bookkeeping or what have you and they fly in and they get the job done and they fly out and they do it on an ongoing or as needed basis i know what a great job they they do because they do work for me so um give them a call or go to officeangels.us to learn more i think you'll be glad you did and just a quick reminder, if you're in professional services and you're having issues with your pricing and um, ha- how you run your business, um, you might be interested in the book I've got coming out later this year. It's called The Price and Value Journey, Raising Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Prices Using the Generosity Mindset Method. If you want to know more, go to pricevaluejourney.com. You can sign up for updates and learn more there. I also want to thank you, our listener. You have been so supportive of this show over the past seven plus years. We're almost to episode number 700, and we've only gotten that far because of you uh, continuing to support the show and uh, do things like share the show when you found uh, a guest, a business leader that uh, others need to hear about. Uh, I can't imagine that you don't have a reason to share the show with someone else uh, hearing what... um, our friend John has had to say today. So please continue to do that and help us continue to fulfill our mission to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region. So for my guest, John Hypes, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.